back. Welcome back, everybody, to Not So Giant Women. Well, we're doing Onion Friend. <laughs> I faced out for a moment there. I thought, oh, wait, this is one where I talk. No. I it just listens. No. Since the title makes it pretty clear, we're going to deal with Onion. Well, what do you think would be like your dream question to get answered about Onion? Does Onion have friends? <laughs> Does Onion have like a friend who is to Onion as Onion is to everyone else? <laughs> well, okay. Let's watch. I know. <laughs> I've got my wine. <laughs> All the crystal gems will always save the day. Did even bring Onion for Stephen to hang with? Oh, well, that sounds great to us. What about you, Stephen? You ready for another round with this guy? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Oh, we got some proper undiluted onion action there. There you got your onion stuff. Oh, so much onion. So very. It's too bad we don't have any like onion dip here. <laughs> so very onion. Yay. Okay. <laughs> We open on Stephen making himself the perfect afternoon sandwich. Mm -hmm. Everything timed just so. Tries to entice Amethyst to lunch, but she's not in a good mood and she hasn't seen Garnet or Pearl, figures they're off not talking to each other somewhere. Stephen figures his sandwich needs a side, opens the pantry to get some chaps, but Onion is in his cupboard, stealing mm -hmm. the chaps. Tries to stop Onion getting away by closing the front door. Onion just bursts through the screen. Stephen chases Onion down, trying to get the limited edition chaps back, protesting that Onion does not even eat things. Hmm. Onion runs into a tarp covered garage, and Stephen's all, ah, no place to hide now. But as soon as he gets in, he sees that the garage is full of paintings and artworks and such, all based around Amethyst, the actual person Amethyst. He brings amethyst over there and is like what's all this look at all these onions already disappeared to wherever he goes i think onions kind of obsessed with you then someone says who's in there i don't know how you got past this tarpaulin and <laughs> then enter carrying a shotgun a middle-aged woman with familiarly pale yellow skin and well onion shaped hair is <laughs> vidalia onions mother We'll say we do start putting some dots together on the Onion family in this episode. But moreover, it turns out Vidalia is an old mate of Amethyst's. They used to hang all the time with Greg and soon start just hanging with each other anyway because in Amethyst's words, Vidalia was cooler. They do some banter back and forth. Stephen is surprised that Vidalia is Onion's mother, probably enough surprise that he has a mother. <laughs> Onion asks via Vidalia if Stephen Amethyst could stay for dinner and much with Stephen's reluctance, they do. Around a dinner table where sour cream is also hanging out. Vidalia says it's been some time since he saw, quote, Farty Marty, just for anyone else who needs another thread on this family connected. Recounts that now she's married to Yellowtail, the fisher, Onion's dad, putting it all together. We hear about how well these two used to be back in the day. And Onion wants to show Stephen around the house while the... I suppose you'd say adults, even though one of them is a centuries-old woman-child, 
while the adults catch up. Onion takes Stephen to his room, where at first Stephen's nervous, spots a mouse, because, oh, hey, you got a little mouse roommate pet thing. Mm-hmm. And Onion goes to put the mouse in a little glass tank, sorry, a large glass tank, but it turns out that contains the snake. Onion wants Stephen to feed the mouse to the snake. Stephen can't watch and just turns away while he hands the mouse back to Onion. Stephen fears more weird pets, but oh no, Onion's just going to put on a movie. Onion loads a cassette into his VCR. Apparently it's a hospital. We hear vaguely ambiguous grunts and groans, and it's a video of Onion's birth. Labeled Happy Birthday Onion, no less. Onion has a video of his own birth that he watches for recreation. (laughs) My goodness, all those years ago, Rose said she wanted to experience birth. She could have just watched this. Onion wants to show Stephen to a hole in the wall. Stephen's freaked out just too much and says, nope, time to leave. When he gets to the living room, he sees that Amethyst and Vidalia are talking about the deeper pressures of Garnet and Pearl not talking to each other, realises that they've got to talk this out, he can't just interrupt, and goes back to Onion to be shown into the hole in the wall, which leads into an air vent-like tunnel. Onion's house appears to be bigger on the inside, I've got to say. <coughs> Eventually emerging in a room which contains nothing but a picture of baby, vaguely fetal-looking Onion, and a chest, as in the storage box, which is full of guys, the action figures you may remember from way back when. And he has all kinds of rare and interesting guys, and even gals, the distaff counterpart to the guys, including such things as Explorer Gal and Construction Gal and Karen. Onion insists on Stephen having his Explorer Gal, which Stephen is quite grateful for, and they go through and show each other some more of the toys. Eventually it's time to leave. Vidalia's like, come back any time. And Amethyst's like, hey, you could stop by the temple sometime. Onion could hang out with Stephen there. And Stephen's like, ha, hey, yeah, yeah, he could. And Onion opens his mouth to show the completely still living mouse has been sitting in it this whole time. And it jumps away to whatever that mouse does all day. And Stephen just nervously laughs more. And we start out on him kind of freaking out. Was this everything you could have dreamed of for an Onion episode? Yes and no, and that in no way dreamed of Onion showing videos of himself coming out of his mother. Well, it may confirm that he's human at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is definitely graphically mammalian. I mean, I guess assuming that his parents are humans, he seems to have video evidence that he came out of a human. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, Onion is a special guy. And I should warn the listeners that I brought a glass of wine to this episode to help me get through all this Onion. So you're going to get vaguely drunk Ivy talking about (laughs) Onion Friend. (laughs) I'll find out later if it's different. So in some ways, we kind of find a bit what makes Onion tick, except not really. We just kind of find more of his strange ticking. That's a good way of looking at it. Nothing is really too surprising. I mean, the birth video was a little bit shocking, but everything Onion did, it's kind of like, oh, Onion, of course you're doing that. The feeding the mouse, in fact, feeding the mouse to the snake would have been dark but practical. Right. Because people do, I have known people, well, actually the people I know who keep snakes usually order like already dead and prepared mice, but right. it's that at least is 
it, even if he's doing a live ones, at least in dark, but in keeping with nature, as Stephen notes. Right. Stephen didn't seem to be against it. He just didn't want to personally do it. Mm. He was kind of like, oh, that's terrible, but I realize it must happen. Yeah. And then Ungen stuck the mouse in his mouth because Ungen. Huh. And he wasn't using his mouth for talking, so it was practical. Yep. So he did talk onion talk in this one. <laughs> a lot of which his mother recognizes has to be translated. So it's not it's not one of those ones where he, we're kind of assuming everyone can understand him, just we can't. Mm-hmm. He's definitely speaking or not. He's definitely either speaking. I mean, must be speaking some kind of language if Vidalia can recognize what it is, mm-hmm. even if it is just onionese. Yeah, I guess th- there are a lot of sort of different theories on what what that is, like whether, you know, because there are some kids who have forms of like selective mutism or the way that they talk is just understood mainly by people who have been around them for a long time. But then we have the compounding factor that his dad talks like that and it's like handled like it's a language almost, but it sounds like people on peanuts. No, I guess we mere anglophones just can't make sense of such things. We're not as talented as Vidalia to be able to translate. Do you think sour cream can understand it? Well, he has referred to those sounds before. The, You're right. Yeah, as my dad's all going round, round. So yeah, it's enjoy ride. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like he understands them. He doesn't really say anything this time, so we don't know if either is either or neither is his kind of default his mother tongue as it were mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. so yeah we, we got that confirmation sour cream and onion as if we really needed it <laughs> yeah. yeah and and for dahlia and yep. we got a reference to marty which yes. granted does not say but heavily heavily implies that this child who looks like marty is in fact half marty being sour cream Right, that Amethyst is observing that oh, sour cream got really big. I used to be bigger than him. Hmm, have you heard from Marty lately? That kind of thing. Yeah. And, and we already had that, they look a little bit alike, you know, thing. <laughs> yeah. So while this isn't a lock, it certainly points to the idea yep. that uh, Marty, Marty yeah. left Vidalia someone to remember him by. I think it's more or less confirmed what they were doing in that van. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. It, yeah. I think by this point you could decide on a read that Marty is not Sour Cream's father, but you would be stretching the avoidance of some obvious clues. Yeah, I think so. And the way Amethyst and Vidalia were talking suggests that Yellowtail came along later and is more likely to be Onion's biological father. Yeah, and Sour Cream has referred to him as his stepdad, so... That's right, it was stepdad. So I guess we understand the Onion family, except we don't know what the hell their last name is. (laughs) Rather, we understand how they're related to each other. There's a lot to understand that we just don't yet. Right, and like the other cool kid families, we know Buck's last name is Dewey, and we know there's him and his dad, but we don't know anything about the mom in that situation. And then in... With Kiki and Jenny, their last name is Pizza. And we also don't know the Pizza Mom. We have the Pizza Grandma, but we only have Pizza Dad. So what the I'm heck? Not- Where's all the moms? Steven, Steven is hogging all the moms in Beach City. That's my story. <laughs> There's a lot of single parents in Beach City. 
There are. And the Frymans, too. There's no Mrs. Fryman. Well, even back with the pizzas, there's no granddad pizza. Yep. Yeah. No granddad pizza and no mom pizza. So who else? Well, we've also seen Sadie's mom, right? I haven't seen Sadie's dad. Huh? We haven't seen Sadie's dad. No. So, yep. Wait, was who was Sadie's mom? I think that you theorized it, right? When we saw somebody that you said looked like Sadie. Oh, the not Jamie, the other poster worker. Yes, the post okay. person. Yeah. Yes. But no Sadie looking dad. Yeah, so I just wonder uh, if I blanked the Sadie mother and daughter moment with all the <laughs> emotional I episodes. Think, I don't think there has been anything except they were those two were shown together in a crowd scene when they were being rescued, run out of town in the return. Okay, but something Something to go on, at least. Mm-hmm. Although Vidalia wasn't there. Vidalia wasn't in that crowd scene. But I think they just hadn't figured out who she, what she was going to look like yet. Yeah. Maybe she occasionally goes on a trip with her husband's fisher boat. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she was just somewhere else. But that, it's pretty cool. Like, I really like all the onion weirdness. But my favorite aspect of this episode is they have the Amethyst Vidalia history and their, their nice little moment there. You know, that's my favorite. We've long talked about how if anyone's able to actually go around Beach City and have a life of their own, it's Amethyst. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's cool to think that even kind of back in the day when Greg first got there, she was hanging out trying to talk to humans. And she referred to herself as like that she thought of herself as like a dumb sponge following Vidalia around. So I guess she was kind of thinking like, oh, I'm going to learn all these things. I'm just soaking everything up, soaking up all these influences. She kind of did, let's be fair. Mm-hmm. That worked. Yeah. And I guess, you know, some of the influences that she got from Vidalia, it would it would make sense, some of the things, some of the values that she has been showing to us all along that the two of them would get along. Vidalia <laughs> is kind of, she may be a mom walking around in slippers, but she is a badass with a shotgun that somehow got past the censors. Oh, I, I love, I don't know how you got past this tarp. Yes. <laughs> this is private property. Yeah. He just walked into the garage past the tarp and yeah. How'd you do that? How'd you get in here? <laughs> Hilarious. I really like that reveal. I, well, I like when they walk in there and the place is covered in amethyst yeah, images. Oh, <laughs> and Stephen thinks it's onion that's obsessed with, with amethyst. Well, you don't want to rule anything out when it comes to him. It's true. He was hiding in a cupboard, just waiting to be discovered. Yeah, he was just, yeah, in the cupboard just because. Mm-hmm. I'm sure eventually someone will want these BBQ chaps. So I'll just sit here. That's really funny. Obviously, Vidalia is not what you call a helicopter parent. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, she doubled down on that. You know, kids got to express themselves and just kind of free range children kind of philosophy going on there. <laughs> Not that we didn't already kind of have everything we needed to conclude that by seeing what Onion gets up to. Yeah, well, sour cream seems to be turning out pretty much okay. So whatever issues Onion's got going on, definitely his own. (laughs) Making sculptures of the heads of people at the table and licking them. Yes, we need to talk about that. That was, I mean, 
watching that, that was, I feel like the pacing on that was so perfect. He's just staring at Steven, who seems to be mildly flattered that Onion has made a sculpture of him until he licks it right up the back of the head and then lets it all fall out of his mouth into a sloppy mess on the table. And Steven's just staring at him like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) And then says, why do you hate food? (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. Wow. But the rest of them were eating noodles and butter. And before that, Amethyst didn't even want to eat the empty container from Stephen's special meal that he probably never got to eat. But she was willing to eat the tea bag after she was having a nice bonding time with Fidelia. So that was cool. And Stephen getting the timing perfectly right in his sandwich ingredients. I there we got to go. Okay, you got to put the rashes on the fryer now. Then start the kettle here, and then the, this bit. So it's all ready at the same time. And then you stand there and you watch and you watch, and it's time. Okay, spring into action. Get it yep. all. Mm, so relatable moment right at the beginning. <laughs> Definitely. That's funny. <laughs> oh, so. What else? Any any other thoughts you had on on meeting a new character, meeting Vidalia? Yeah, I do, I do like her. She does remind me in an exaggerated way of people I know. Yeah, I've known, I suppose, what you might call the garage creative type. Oh, uh, sure. Not always with the wild noodle head licking children. <laughs> but yeah, the. Kind of, kind of out there, always alluding to even wilder, younger days. Mm-hmm. My mom does that a lot. She's like, "I was a hellraiser." Like, you're wearing slippers. <laughs> you don't know what I've done in these shoes. I love that line. Oh yeah. <laughs> I oh. believe my mom that she was probably a hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, I'm, mm. yeah, I don't know if my parents were. They haven't disclosed, huh? Yeah, I'd have. Onion's poster of the door reminded me of The Room, the Tommy Wiseau film. Oh, you know, I haven't seen that, but one of my friends is, my best friend has made a bunch of references to it, so I recognize the most common references to it, I think. Uh, Well, it seems like the sort of film Onion would just deem a masterpiece. Oh, well, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) His room could have been a lot more disturbing, and I'm glad that it, I'm glad they didn't really like go there, that they just made it sort of okay, what's going to happen here? This doesn't seem too bad. Yeah, it's normal until you're too close to the edges. Right. Or you might... As we said, even the pet snake isn't that weird. Mm -hmm. Even if Onion's handling of the situation is a bit bizarre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then the lights are going on and off, so that makes the atmosphere very different. (laughs) And there's a hole behind the door poster, which also reminds me of Shawshank Redemption. Oh, gosh. That I have seen. So I don't know if that's supposed to be their basement or where else in their house that Onion's guy's chest or guys and gals' chest is kept. It's all just in there somewhere in this house. I'm not sure, like, what kind of room there would be that would be led to directly by the air vent and not have any other ways to get in. Yeah. (laughs) Like a secret passage. And they, every, and they were all cl- just crawling along horizontally. So yeah. that house, is, I don't know, maybe it stretches a long way out the back. <laughs> maybe. I never, I never really put that together. Like, I'm not very good with spatial anything, so I wouldn't have noticed if it made sense. <laughs> I'm not great, but I do notice when something vastly outsizes exterior to interior. Mm. 
It's funny. Yeah. But he definitely seems like the kind of kid who would have like a private crawl away space where he puts his stuff and spends time, you know, other than somebody else's cupboard. Yes. Got some kind of system. And I think Stephen was also a bit relieved to figure that, or keeping his action figures in a trunk is at least kind of normal compared yeah. to all the things he could have been doing of those toys. Yeah, he was right up to the last minute expecting him to open the chest and show him something horrible. And it might not have been horrible as far as Onion was concerned, but, you know, it could have been a sandwich from every year he's been alive. (laughs) We've seen that kid crawl up into video games and stuff before, or into vending machines and stuff. So he seems to like doing that. Yeah, I don't know how he's going to handle life if he grows up and gets too large to fit in all these spaces he wants to stuff himself into. Yeah, that could be a problem. But for now, he's a little onion. Yeah, he was definitely showing how little he was compared to Stephen this week. Yeah, and he gets like, you know, picked up and held on his mom's hip and whispers in her ear and stuff. So, I mean, it's hard to tell sometimes with the proportions on this show, but it does seem like he's like a significantly littler kid. And his mom probably feels like Stephen is being kind, kind of like he's being looked up to and he's spending time with a littler kid as sort of a mentor or something. Like, oh, you're going to let him tote you around kind of thing. That's cute. So Probably slightly overestimating how much Stephen is enjoying it. Yeah. I can't quite tell if Vidalia comprehends how disturbing her son is, well, her younger son is to other people. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't see that she has picked up on it, really. She seems to kind of downplay stuff, like, you know, Onion is squishing his food and splattering it everywhere, and she's, like, very expressive. And, uh, you know, he comes to her with scissors, and she just takes the scissors away from him and says, yep, he's my little troublemaker. You know, she's just going to interpret it as, like, ho, 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 he's such a little rascal. And once he tried to drown the entire city in plastic men, she probably doesn't know that. And well, maybe it's just what they wrote on the tape case, but he must have got the tape of his birth from somewhere. Oh, yeah. I could imagine Medallia kind of being like one of those, I mean, actually, again, a lot like my mom, where even if your kid is pretty young, they want to tell you about the facts of life. And it's like, sure, here's... A video of your birth. This is how you got here. You asked, or you said, So, you know, he seems to be kind of fascinated with his own origin, if that is any indication that, and the, as you mentioned, fetus like image of himself as a little, a little onion ball on the wall. It's like, hmm, is he sort of, is this like one of his little special interests or something? Yeah, well, I guess. I mean, that's as far as we can tell. He's sanctum, so if anyone wants that picture on the wall, it's him. Yeah, and those little holiday lights up, and that was it. It's hmm. interesting. I imagine he must have put those up himself, though, because who else is going to fit up there? Yeah, well, somehow he can probably crawl on ceilings if he wants to. Oh, Lord, I'm frightened. I imagine he can make his head turn 360. Oh, yikes. I'm just kind of... I'm going to be over here shuddering and imagining that in my dreams tonight. <laughs> mm. One one thing I also thought was really neat about 
this episode was, I mean, there's kind of, I guess, a lot of stuff you would have to watch it a couple of times to see all these things. But there was a lot of sort of fast paced background images of in, in the art and in the photos of Amethyst and Vidalia in their younger days and stuff. And a lot of stuff seems to be giving context to their previous friendship. Mm. I saw one that looked like photo booth pictures where Amethyst like shapeshifts into Marty at, with a big L on his head, like he's <laughs> making a loser loser's sign on his head, and Vidalia is laughing. And it just made it gave me like heartwarming feelings about it. Like, oh, she was there during this time when this guy just swept through town and banged her in the back of a van and then left her, you know, <laughs> that Amethyst is there to be like, yeah, that guy's a loser, <laughs> you know, Barty Marty. That was sweet. Hmm. You know? Yeah. If you name your kids, we're going to blindfold reach into a bunch of crisp packets. <laughs> so, hmm. wonder what that was like, you know, for Vidalia to discover that the gems were there and hang out with Amethyst, you know, like to be like, I really like her mention of how she liked Amethyst as a model because she could be anything. And like, of course that goes together with her interest, her painting interest, like, oh, this person can be any size and any shape. And Vidalia also said that she just admired so much that Amethyst was easygoing and could just roll with it, as she said, to seem like she was really... She saw that as, well, she called her an inspiration. She called her inspiring, you know. Definitely her muse. Yeah, and that's interesting because, I mean, Amethyst definitely does not have that effect on anybody we've seen so far. Like, even with Stephen, Stephen clearly looks up to her, but doesn't look at her, like, in a reverent way. You know what I mean? She does, he doesn't, nobody looks at her as really an authority or something to be inspired by. And then she finds out this friend of hers looked at her that way as like, wow, that she wanted to be like me or she wished she was more like me or used me as a source of strength. It's like, she's blushing and saying like, no, that, you were, you were the cool one. It's just cool. I guess for Stephen, there's a bit of a, when you find out your parents are people thing, which Granted, he's probably had a lot of with Greg, but it's not mm-hmm. the first time he's really appreciated it with Amethyst. I think so. And of that course, was very sweet of him to let them have their moment. And of course, Amethyst has always been part of his life, so he would have had that she's just a constant filter, whereas Vidalia had her come into her life and would have mm-hmm. seen her in an entirely different context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even though Amethyst is the you know the laid back one and the fun one and kind of the coded as childish one i could see someone like amethyst seeing her and being like oh she can be anything she's not afraid of anything she just does whatever without really thinking about it i could see her seeing that as very look up toable <laughs> you know but they were it seemed like they perceived each other more like they were they were pals they were neither one of them was like each other's mentor or anything but they were both looking at each other taking inspiration and feeling like each other represented something positive for each other it's too bad that they didn't continue to keep in touch throughout Stephen's young life you know so yeah Vidalia could have been the cool auntie sure yeah hmm 
And up to up to this point, Amethyst hasn't really been like well, we had an episode where Mayor Dewey said that he thought Pearl was the hot one. And we had an episode more recently where Jamie was into Garnet, but nobody's been like none of the humans in town have mentioned any kind of special relationship that they wanted with Amethyst. But then it turns out she had this close human friend. So that's kind of nice to know. Yeah, though it's not entirely surprising as she's always been the one who's been more able to relate to humans on a everyday humans on a mundane level, if you will. Right. I definitely cannot imagine either Garnet or Pearl like going over and hanging out with a human just for fun. You know, I feel like Garnet, Garnet could maybe like hang out with certain people, but it would be sort of like she would just be there. <laughs> <laughs> and Pearl would be like, okay, this is pointless and nothing is being accomplished, so I'm going home. Well, Mayor Dewey's hotness of Pearl and Jamie's in love with Garnet was all very one-sided. In fact, we're very much. not even yeah. sure Pearl's aware of the former, whereas <laughs> Vidalia's friendship with Amethyst is definitely reciprocated in a two-sided yeah. street. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting that there hasn't been any humans that expressed that about amethyst up to this point you know what i mean and for the most part with the possible exception of greg most of pearl's relationships with humans that we've briefly seen are more like being polite to the neighbor you don't know very well Mm -hmm. which is as much pearl's nature that she would she would subscribe to whatever the gem version of emily post manners are Mm -hmm. i agree yeah Well, we've seen Amethyst go off and do stuff in town on her own when she was a wrestler and such. So, Yep, it's true. So I've always kind of worked on the assumption that Amethyst essentially has a towny life that we just don't see very often. Yeah, there's been a couple of mentions where she's referring to humans and she'll just describe them like, hey, why is Donut Guy breathing fire and stuff like she doesn't she is familiar and she's around but she doesn't seem to know their names (laughs) just like when pearl called ronaldo fribo by accident (laughs) that was funny like they're just they're just these humans around and like eventually they'll be replaced by other humans and you know why learn their names (laughs) Hmm. hopefully that's changing well, as Amethyst has pointed out, she is herself from Earth, so she does have yeah. that in common with the humans, even if not a lot biologically. She is technically an Earthling. Yeah. I know she spends a lot of time with Garnet and Pearl, but at the same time, it's like, I wonder if she kind of feels like she's more like she's more like humans because she likes to eat and sleep and she finds their forms of entertainment entertaining. She's not like when they went to the arcade in Arcade Mania, Amethyst's conclusion was, this place is fun. (laughs) And Pearl's conclusion was like, humans find such interesting ways to waste their time. And even though the time scale is fairly rough for this, it does seem that human built up human civilization was becoming more of a thing when Amethyst emerged than it would have been many thousands of years before when Mm -hmm. the others were around. So she... Amethyst could have been born into a world where towns and cities, even though even if they're not necessarily modern day towns and cities and built up human settlements are a thing. So yes, there's a lot of colonial business attached to that, depending how things worked out in the gem earth history. 
Yeah, I guess they haven't talked about that as, as such. But it does seem a safe bet that however it came about that towns and cities are a more recent thing and might have already been part of the landscape literally when Amethyst emerged from her caves mm-hmm. rather than, you know, not quite sure what the real world his timeline is like for this exactly either, but when the gems arrived, it would have been, there would have been more nomadic native people and depending on exactly how, how long it is, possibly what we now term cave people. Mm-hmm. Mm, trying to remember if, I think Pearl said something about 5,000 years for the kindergarten. So she didn't specify when Amethyst came out, but... I've always had the impression it's significantly more recent. Uh-huh. 5,000 years is like, it's, you know, if it was similar in the area and the time for actual North American history, the Europeans would not have arrived yet in those times, but when it was being set up by the invading gems, but there's no there's no extra information about when amethyst came out mm. yet i'm pretty sure so yes she might have by the time she came out there might have been mm-hmm. the europeans or oh yeah europeans setting up their towns and things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again that's based on some rough some rough non knowledge of North American history in the real world a complete lack of knowledge of North American history that we already know is somewhat different on their earth and i'm possibly accidentally cross-pollinating a bit with local indigenous history as well sure current guess is the local indigenous people have been around on in australia for eighty thousand years or so quite a difference (laughs) compared to five thousand years from gem invasion but again in even in real history neither set of indigenous people were known for building big towns and cities Nothing industrialized, definitely. So if it is the case, and again, st- just talking in terms of Amethyst personally, rather than larger colo- colonial issues, she could have she could have emerged into a more industrialized age that could be a more comfortable environment for her if that's, as she said, all she's ever known. Right. She didn't say how long she was in the kindergarten by herself either, but she just called it a while, I guess, before. Stephen's mom and the others found her. Hmm. A lot of vagueness about timelines. Yeah, and as I said before, I, I'm quite happy if this is a different history and they make liberal use of comic book time and fudging and that sort of thing and <laughs> what feels right as opposed to what makes sense. As I've said many times with, <laughs> with Greg, who, yeah, sure, we should, we should be looking at around the... 90s or turn of the century for his and Rose's younger days, but that doesn't feel right. It feels like he should have been around in the 60s. We just ignore that that would put him well into his 70s or so by now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like for my generation, my parents are boomers and my dad is 67. And he grew up in, you know, the 60s and 70s. And you would have definitely seen vans like that in oh, his yeah. day but it seems like they're implying that greg is more like if the timeline works out right he's more like he's our age and when i look at greg i'm thinking like oh that's a dad that's like my dad dad but 
if he's a parent of someone Steven's age and, you know, they haven't really re- revealed a lot of the details for us to piece anything together at this yeah, point, especially. I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of going on, going on that broad, what feels right for the mood as well. Yeah. Speaking of like convenient for the moment, I noticed that when Vidalia was talking about being being with Yellowtail, which I think this was the first time they said Yellowtail. We've seen his name in credits enough, so we know. Yeah, we've seen his name in the credits, so we knew, but I think that's the first time they said it. Kind of like with, we knew that Malachite was Malachite, but then they revealed it in Chilatid. But when she was talking about being with Yellowtail, it kind of zooms in on her hand and her hand comes down and you see this ring on her hand. And that's the only scene where she has a wedding ring on. Oh, <laughs> and I noticed Emma's just reacting to, yeah. to that. And so, well, good job you reacted then because it's going to disappear in another shot. Yeah. She's like, what? Yellowtail? <laughs> yep. Next thing I know, I'm living with a fisherman. And that gave us a nice sort of, small world building touch when we were panning down we saw stuff like these are the dates that he's going to be away or here yeah so i guess he was away at the time because he wasn't there to whine about sour creams djing and well he really would just would have been one person too many in the story so to be fair yeah we can do with just pictures of him on the fridge and his schedule Well, just like similarly, Garnet and Pearl made their presence felt despite not actually being in the episode at all. I really like that they are showing how sort of like the main fight there is affecting other people in Stephen's family, you know, and that Amethyst is bummed out and is being affected by this. Kind of a, a similar way to how somebody's child would be like if your parents were not talking to each other how that would affect the kid i don't think of her like she's their child but there's definitely this dynamic they have this problem she wants them to fix it but she knows she doesn't have any influence to get them to do it so she's just stuck having to be in this miserable atmosphere and it's nice that she had vidalia to talk to about what she's going through and it's a nice way to fill a sin on anyone who might have missed the previous episodes or is jumping back on and seeing where they're up to. Mm-hmm. She, Amethyst's both the line and the delivery of, I don't know, of not talking to each other. Yeah. Uh, right. Th- those two are in a snit about something. Amethyst is in a snit about the fact that they're in a snit and is feeling bad about it. Stephen is either blissfully ignorant or too optimistic or too focused on his lunch. <laughs> we know he's not literally ignorant, so... He's probably just feeling too good because he's got the perfect lunch. I don't think he got to eat it unless he went home to get amethyst and he just ate the sandwich. I'm going to headcanon that that happened because that was a perfect sandwich. Yeah, he got everything so right. He just didn't get to have his chaps with it and that's okay. Maybe he's got some backup chaps, but they're not limited (laughs) special edition flavor. (laughs) The limited flavor. Steven seems to develop an interest in stuff that's just going to go away. First cookie cats and then barbecue chaps. Which reminded me, and this is a very specific thing, So, and it only just happens, there's no way it was in the creator's mind. <laughs> when there were some limited edition run corn chips here tying into Wonder Woman 1984, I knew some people who were just a bit obsessed with them. <laughs> and I'm not sure why, because they're not the sort of people who usually get obsessed with corn chips or limited runs. 
something about them? I think at the time it might have been because we were still desperate for the film to come out. They had delayed it yet again. It might have had this knock-on effect that anything about the movie, even if it's corn chips, I want it. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I wonder if there's anything like that in the Steven universe. Like if the barbecue chips were in association with like a dog copter movie or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, after what a certain other animated series has showed us is that the idea of cartoons and limited edition food stuffs has been a bit stained. I've heard of the Rick and Morty fuss over the Szechuan sauce. I heard about that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But it couldn't help but also pop into my mind a bit afterwards when I think cartoon and limited edition food, even if the limited edition food is entirely fictional on this occasion. <laughs> and again, that can't have been in a creative mind because it just hadn't happened yet. Yeah. What else can we say about the all-encompassing onioniness of this episode? When I see you sort of go, that answers questions, and you go, wait, it also just raises just as many, which I think is going to be the way as far as anything to do with onions going to be concerned. I could ask you a probing question. Oh, let's go. If I can think of one, because I drank all the wine. Well, wait, I have loads more probing questions to ask. So Vidalia is a painter. Oh, I know. Ali is a painter. And there were a lot of people who said, like, that they had canon that maybe Vidalia painted the portrait of Rose in Stephen's house. Possible, yeah. So, and I know that, you know, since you just met Vidalia, you had no time to ponder any of that or anything until we just immediately started talking about it but so like do you think that might have been a thing and if so like how i mean it feels very commemorative right like oh this is our portrait that we have of her because she isn't with us we knew she was going to be gone kind of feeling like so if vidalia had been the one to paint it like how do you think they might have brought up the idea of asking her to do it like having rose sit for it and stuff how that might have come about when rose was still around well partly i have seen this in real life so mm-hmm. the two easy answer is they went to vidalia and said will you paint rose's portrait <laughs> because i know people who do photography and painting and things and that's usually how it comes about mm-hmm. and then they depending how well they know each other or what's going on, negotiate whether it's going to be a fee or a favor or a gift or whatever mm-hmm. else. It may not It may not be when they knew Rose was going to be no more. Greg, mm-hmm. being a lovesick mortal, might have thought a nice portrait of her was simply a nice gift. And we know Vidali was another friend of his. And yes. So Rose may not have sat for it directly. They could have used... Oh, that's true. They could have used photos of Rose, just had enough for Vidalia's skill and imagination to fill in anything she didn't immediately have. Oh, I could see that. Or her giving it to them as a way to help Greg cope. Yeah, actually, there's another way she might have done entirely off her own bat after Rose, let's say, passed because they, (laughs) again, gave up her physical form, whatever happened. Yeah. It always feels like that. It always feels like they're avoiding saying, died but since this isn't a never say die show it's like they're not quite saying that she did die in a traditional sense but right there's some question of what that means because gems don't really know what dying is but yeah after she ceased to be around Vidalia might have thought oh poor Greg and 
you know, he's sad and he's missing Rose and I'm missing Rose. And my way to express my grief is to paint the person I miss and I'll give it to the lover of the person I'm missing to give to them to remember her by. So actually I'm going off that one now. I like that one. Mm. And What if he tried to put it up in his van? (laughs) (laughs) They clearly did have photos and videos and stuff of her. So I guess it's true that she definitely wouldn't have had to sit for it. It just looked very posed, I guess. But Rose always looked in images of her that were left behind. She looked very like statuesque. Yeah, know? so I think I think between the raw material and well, Vidalia has been doing amethyst pictures even mm-hmm. the time she hasn't seen amethyst. So she obviously isn't a ideal a live subject mm-hmm. person. And amethyst could do an impression of Rose as we've seen awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that could oh. have made it, that could have made it all weirder, and maybe it did. Maybe that's part of what happened all those years ago. Yikes! Maybe Vidalia was look. I just can't get the finishing touches, but I know you can do a rose. So, and was just like, oh, doing rose shapes. Yes, there's an idea. Hmm. Yeah. I just feel like that is, you know, once you introduce an artist into the mix here, it's like she probably painted the rose picture. That's like headcanon there, you know. <laughs> She hasn't said that she did, but she clearly like, I mean, there's like, like we've been saying for about some of the other stuff in this episode and the series in general, it's like the timeline is definitely murky and a little vague on when things happened. But Vidalia demonstrates that she knows who Steven is, that Greg has this son, Steven, and, but that she hasn't seen him in a really long time, but she knows that her son talks about him. and. When she sees Stephen, she's like, "Is that Stephen?" Like, yeah, so wow, may, kind of thing. So they have seen baby Stephen, right? She must have seen like little bitty Stephen back when Greg, like when she said that awkward thing about, "Oh, he used to be super hot." Like that's like, oh my god, the adults are talking about adult things in front of the kid, and Stephen blushes. He can't be hot. He's a dad. Yeah, <laughs> and Onion probably came along after that. Yeah. Sour cream is older and onion is younger than Stephen. Seems like has to be. Yeah, well, Amethyst, Amethyst recognized sour cream, but granted she's already seen onion in the present, but didn't, <laughs> didn't say anything along the lines of, oh, onion is your kid who was hanging off your hip all those years ago, now slightly grown up. So I think it's safe to say onion is between. Onion is between when Amethyst last saw Vidalia and now. Oh, that could be. Though if you have eyes, you probably connect him to her if you know them both. Oh, oh, Onion. So Stephen, I guess, is technically the Onion friend and Mm. Dahlia is the Amethyst friend. I suppose the title could also be read as Onion being a friend. So yeah. Either, either works. This yeah. is being a friend as far as Onion is concerned. I guess this is kind of jumping forward to factoid territory, but I heard once that this episode was originally called Old Friends. Which works too for the Banger Sisters-like thing going between Amethyst and Vidalia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vidalia seems like cool mom kind of thing. Like if Sour Cream had a rave, she'd probably show up. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not in her slippers and bathrobe. Unless she's one of those people who's so cool she can do that. I guess so. Hmm. Yeah. I like her. And I like 
Yeah. I'm hoping we see more of her. Yeah. It's nice to see her in, you know, modern day beach city and not as like a groupie hanging around Marty. And probably (laughs) for the best that she's ditched Marty. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Wonder how Sour Cream feels about that. He doesn't seem to get along with his stepdad. No, I wonder if that's because he's his stepdad or because he's a teenager. Well, or both. All of both. <laughs> yeah. So I guess there's not really any music to speak of except for the DJ music that would have annoyed his stepfather. So there's not any songs to talk about. If there's a name for that rave music, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the tracks are. Maybe they reused some old ones that they've used in other episodes. I'm not really sure. So that's all I have to say about music. (laughs) I love eating. (laughs) Feels weird. (laughs) There was food though. Well, what do you want to start with? (laughs) Well, I know usually your rule is technically food doesn't count unless someone eats it, but there was certainly the intent to eat the perfect sandwich. I did make a perfect sandwich. I kind of feel like, especially if it's very featured, like, I mean, together breakfast also was not eaten and it was made twice and it wasn't eaten either time, but I definitely made together breakfast. Mostly like if I'm talking about not eating something, I just want to avoid feeling like I have to make anything that's in the background of the donut shop or something. (laughs) That's fair. But I did make the perfectly timed afternoon sandwich, except I had to make a pretty significant alteration because he was using a package of smoked salmon and I don't eat fish. So I went on like an epic search to find something that would be a good substitute for that. And everything that was remotely similar was soy based. So I eventually just kind of gave up and used a slice of spiced tofu for it. Okay. I'm sure there's probably something better, but yeah. So the ingredients were a bagel and smoked salmon or a substitute for smoked salmon. There was an egg on there and there was cream cheese on there, I guess. Right. I think that's everything. And yeah, just toast the bagel and fry an egg and plop it on there and plop your salmon or salmon substitute on top and a dollop of cream cheese and squish it down and then get it stolen by the neighborhood weird thief. I made the chaps in a previous episode. I guess that was Monster Buddies. And I did use, I did make one that was packaged like the barbecue chips just to make a reference to this episode. So, um, so, but that was only one of the episodes. That was only one of the episodes foods. Well, it was also noodles and butter. Yes. Good of them to give us the ingredient lists in the name. Indeed. So that is not a complicated recipe at all. You just boil some noodles according to package instructions and drop some butter on it. And that's what I did. But I have kind of a story about that because I kind of assumed that they were all eating the same thing and that Onion made his sculpture of Stephen's head out of like squishing noodles together. But later I found... The, the like prop sheets and stuff. And they said it was mashed potato head. Mm. Well, it reminded so guess, me of making stuff out of mash in Close Encounters. Yes. I think people have said that that is one of the references, that they considered that to be a reference to to building what, like a mountain? Mm, yeah. Is that right? What they did? Because I've not seen Close Encounters. Is that what they were doing? Yeah, it's kind of the, oh, I can't quite remember myself, but it was some similar sort of structure, if not actually a mountain. Mm, okay so like it's so long since i've seen it but yeah that is what it brought to mind is because that's such an 
memorable part of that film, which I just said I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah. So like at first I just assumed it was also noodles and butter because, and you can kind of squish noodles into shapes. And before I discovered these prop sheets, I tried to do that with, with noodles and make a Steven head. I have this, I have a picture of it that like a Steven noodle head, but later found out that it was supposed to be mashed potatoes. So I also made a mashed potato Steven head, which I did not lick and spit out. I dropped a line there. Yeah, um, there's only so far you want to go on method. Yeah. But, you know, it's Steve, Steven, well, Onion does seem to be the type of kid who, I mean, we know he's very picky about what he eats, if he eats at all. So it wouldn't surprise me too much of Vidalia being pretty obviously permissive parent that she would give him food that she knows he will eat, even if the rest of the family is eating something else. So I just, I think I used instant potatoes or something and made, made a, a sloppy Steven head. So I have photos of that, which I will include in the visual versions of these recordings. Excellent. <laughs> I have to show you my noodle monstrosity too. But you know what? I've gotten into a couple of disagreements with people who, you know, they concluded that it was noodles as well. Like I initially did and thought that I had made a mistake. Like if they see the mashed potato one, then they're like, why isn't it a noodle one? And if they see the noodle one, they're like, why isn't it a mashed potato one? <laughs> I'm like, hey, this is what happened. But one of the people who saw that I had made a mashed potato head called me a fake fan. And I was very mad. I was like, you want to talk fake fans? I have the crew versus sheet. Now tell me who's a fake fan. (laughs) We're so petty. But I'm like, nobody calls me a fake fan. I'm the one who made a Steven hat out of mashed potatoes. You're not going to say that to me. I'll fight you. <laughs> Technically, Vidalia only refers to the noodles and butter as being what amethyst ate. So mm-hmm. that is true. But I guess because of the sort of vagueness in the shapes and the colors were very similar when mm. what was on their plate and what was on Onion's plate. But I mean, they said on the model sheet that it was mashed potatoes. So I believe them. Plus, it's a lot easier to sculpt mashed potatoes. I will tell you that. That I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I like noodles and butter. They're pretty good, actually. Yum, yum. No other food. I didn't try to make like a little model mouse to put in my mouth like onion. Which he didn't eat, so. Exactly. That's my excuse for not mm-hmm. not making mouse to eat. And nor did the snake. Yep. The snake's probably <laughs> subsisting on leftover butter and noodles or mash or whatever onion actually had. Because he didn't <laughs> actually have it. Mm. Not sure what else snakes eat. Mm. Do they eat bugs? I think, I think some do. There's so many different kinds of snake, of course. Yeah. I, know, I think I've, they do mostly like those little small animals. That, yeah. I have heard of pet snakes being just fed on little chunks of meat, like from the butcher. That makes sense, too. So I guess it depends on the snake as to whether, I don't know, they obligate rodent vores or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And there's not too much to tell you as far as, like, factoidy things but i heard i heard you make note of you noticed lamar on the sh- on the title card <laughs> so lamar it's gonna be a weird one. Oh yeah i mean we knew it was onion and then we saw lamar it's like well nobody's surprised that this is lamar abrams although 
What's notable, I guess, is that he is now working with Katie Mitroff as a storyboard partner. I had mentioned a while back that his last episode with longtime partner Helen Joe was earlier this season, Rising Tides, Crashing Skies, and that was episode 59. And we are now on 65. So um, he just did one with Zook. He did Chilatee with Zook. And then he has a few episodes later, he has a new storyboard partner. But Katie will be working with Lamar for a long time. So get used to him. <laughs> Our first time together. And now this is relatively permanent. Um, and we're still in a Stephen Bomb. This is the third episode of the Stephen Bomb. So that's trivia, I guess. And the... Garnet Pearl Clash remains, even if it's yes. they're not actually seen this week, as we discussed. Yeah, yeah. It's off screen, but very much still feeling like part of an arc. Yeah. And as mentioned, I really like that it's showing how it's affecting others in the household. So they released, you know, like promo art of the before before this before the Stephen Bomb 3 was released. And this one was represented by, let's see, I think it was the mouse. They drew a mouse. <laughs> so after we see the episode, it all makes sense. But beforehand, we're just like, a mouse? <laughs> Why? <laughs> That's how most of the promo doodles seem to work. You're like, what? Yeah. Then you see it, it's like, oh. Yeah. But they showed us all five of them, like the five episodes, Steve and Bob, with these vague images. And the, the middle one is a mouse. We're like, why? It's an onion episode. What do you want? Oh, well, you know, um, he marries the mouse. Right. Yeah. Mouse wedding. Why not? wouldn't have necessarily been weirder than what we have. I do have a pretty funny one. Let's see how much of this I remember because it was a long time ago about gals. So when we first saw the guys, that was the first Onion episode. That was way back in season one, episode 15, right? Onion trade. And he had the guys. And there was that cute little reference to guys, guys under your supervision. <laughs> so that. And somebody asked notoriously, slightly trollish and responsive Steven Universe writer Matt Burnett on Twitter, what does gals stand for? And he said, ah. gals against lazy stereotypes. <laughs> I did wonder. That was funny to me. And they said that they, like in within the universe, it was like a 80s nostalgia wave that they brought gals back for a limited time or something. Or wait, maybe that was the guys. Maybe guys are back in production as a nostalgia wave, but gals weren't back in production or something like that. And that's why they were really hard to get. That's why Steven was surprised to see them. But you never want to ask Onion, where, where did you get this? <laughs> you don't it's want like to. how Shira had a whole new show and yeah. Man hasn't yet. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did watch all of, so I'm I'm even gayer now. Shira? I watched yeah. it all too. Ah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Person who does Catra's voice is the same person who does Stevani. Yes, that's right. I remember I remember noting that at the time, going, I know that voice. I know that voice and <laughs> checking the credits. You sure get to hear a lot more of it in Shira than you do in Steven Universe. Come on, Connie and Steven, give us some more. <laughs> we got to see them again recently, but they didn't talk because they were just too busy being stared at by Greg and then unfusing in mm. extreme awkwardness. <laughs> um, oh, that's right, yes. They didn't say nothing. Yeah, so we've only had one one Stevani talking episode. Let's see, do I have any other factoidy things? I already told you that, about the original title. Like there was something else. I think I've probably already told you back when Vidalia first appeared 
in story for Steven, who the voice actor was. But in case I didn't, it was Jackie Buscarino who works like, I think she was like a producer or some, somebody who works on the show, mostly in a, like an administrative or overseeing kind of role. And she does a voice for, for the character Vidalia. I thought it was good. I liked voice. And the crew people, when this came out, they ate noodles and butter at their release party. But of course. That's all I have. That and merch. I have merch for you. I almost forgot the merch. Go check out our merch table. I think I've partially showed you these before, but I want to show you all of my magnets because the first magnet here is a guy's magnet. Let me see. I have to adjust my camera so that you can see this. Okay, there. All the guys. And I could have showed you this in onion trade, but I think I showed you an onion thing. So it's a magnet. And I have a bunch of other refrigerator magnets that are this size. And I think I've showed you one other one a long time ago. I think I showed you Crying Breakfast Friends or something, but there's a Cookie Cat one. And these are all usually on my fridge. <laughs> I peeled them off to show you today. There's Dogcopter. Hey! I'll just show you the whole collection. I've got one from On the Run, which is Stephen getting attacked by a raccoon while Amethyst laughs. Yeah. <laughs> You're so great, Amethyst. There's a lion. Ah, oh, lion looking cute and sweet and, yeah. I don't know, probably sexy to other lions. Yeah, that's a screenshot from Lion 3 when he was trying to get back into the house after Stephen kicked him out for laying on his face. What else? There's the crying breakfast from one, I think. And I think I showed you that one. I'm oh, not sure. Familiar. Yeah, that's just the logo. And there's Stephen on Cookie Cats. There's a lot of these and I got them at like most of them either online or from a store that we have here called Five Below. So everything's usually $5 and under. <laughs> Do not want to peel apart. This is a comic book cover. So it's not in the real show's style, but a few of them are from comic book covers. That's also a comic book cover. Pretty close to the show style though, these ones. Yeah. This one's really like blocky. There's the gems fighting. Is that Coleman Engel, I think, is the artist? Yeah, Pearl in particular looks different on that one. Yeah, there's like these very heavy lines. I'm trying to show it to Daria. For those who are just listening, I'm trying to show it to Daria on the screen, but sometimes there's a glare because they're very shiny. So there's Stephen looking up at clouds that look like fast food to him. That's how Stephen. Yeah, just a little logo one. This is like my whole collection of flat magnets. So we have a logo and another logo and a couple more comic covers. These are by somebody who later becomes a storyboard artist. Ah, yeah, that one you can mostly tell the art difference because of the shading as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and both of these are from like the original eight comics where they were on the cover. So, and I have the comic covers, or I have the comics that have this art on them. So that's all my, I think I have like, let's see, how many is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 magnets in my collection. I have some other ones that are different shapes, but I just decided to feature these ones because I happened to have one that had guys on it. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of onion merchandise. So that was the closest I could get. There's no like onion Funko Pop or anything. No it's onion plushie. Because he's basically shaped like a Funko Pop already. Yeah. I have two toys of him that I've showed you from other times. That Funko Mystery Mini. And I believe I've also showed you the What's the name of those pint-sized heroes? I think I showed you those ones because it's the only one that has a Jasper figure. And I showed you those when Jasper appeared in The Return. Two, that one has an onion as well. <laughs> but not a lot of other onion going on, sadly. So 
I don't know what I'm going to do if, you know, we have another Onion episode. Do you think there will be another Onion episode? Well, I certainly don't think we've seen the last of him. No. I mean, you can't escape Onion. But, you know, we got a nice little oniony dish tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and I drank an entire glass of wine to get through it. And I feel okay. I don't feel too disturbed by his birth video. Yeah, I just thought just watching Onion was enough like getting drunk as it was. Well, I'll just metabolize this wine and be all right for the next episode that is probably not food themed. <laughs> what else? Anything else about this or should we put it into a wrap and go on with our lives? Yeah, let's put this onion in a wrap. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to us talk about one of the classic weird episodes of Steven Universe, Onion Friend. And we'll see everyone next time for the title is Historical Friction. Ah. All right. Well, Thanks, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye. You've been listening to Ivy and Daria on Not So Giant Women. You can find episodes of the show in video form by looking up Not So Giant Women on YouTube or in audio form at anchor.fm slash not so giant women or your podcatcher of choice. You can, can also, also find, find us on, on Facebook. Facebook. Audio production by Daria. Video production and music by Ivy. Daria can also be heard on Postploitation, the Ausploitation podcast. And Ivy at her Steven Universe fan blog at love-takes-work.tumblr.com. Steven Universe was created by Rebecca Sugar and remains property of Cartoon Network. No infringement is intended.